You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Welcome Mission Redlands to yet another Sunday where we gather together to participate in worship, to gather as a family of believers in the presence of God. We are starting, or rather we have started already a new series last week called The Language of Christmas that Pastor Jason kicked off for us. And in this series, The Language of Christmas, we're exploring the typical, some of the typical Advent themes uh, by doing them in sort of a word study, if you will, uh, but then looking biblically at that word in the context of Advent. And in today's message or in today's word study, we'll be looking at the word peace, the theme of peace. Now, peace, as we use it, has become a lot more similar to the way it was utilized, say, in the Old Testament. For one, peace, for a lot of people, first and foremost, simply means primarily absence of conflict. Yes, we do use it that way as well, but we also use it to represent the peace or lack thereof in our hearts, in our in ourselves. And so peace is a multidimensional peace when utilized in the Bible, much like the way we use it today. In fact, when we look at the Hebrew word utilized in the Old Testament for peace, we find the word shalom. And shalom, again, uh, is not just an absence of conflict, though it was certainly utilized in many occasions and various occasions in the Old Testament that way, but it also represents being brought to completeness or to being whole, restoring something that was no longer complete, restoring something that was no longer whole, maybe something that became fragmented. And so that can apply to relationships, not just the status of a country versus a country, a nation versus a nation. So shalom refers to not just absence of conflict. It's much deeper than that, the way we utilize it today as well. It is to be peace in the shalom way is to be made whole or complete. And when we look at the New Testament, the way the New Testament authors utilize it, no longer in Hebrew, now in Greek, we look at the word eidene. And this Greek word eidene similarly is used by Jesus in this same way. Not just to indicate absence of conflict, but rather to indicate the restoration of something being made complete, being made whole, that previously had become not whole or had become incomplete. Think about Jesus when he speaks to his disciples. He's speaking to his disciples specifically This is before his crucifixion, and he's letting them know that basically things are going to go a little weird. Things are going to get hard. Things are going to get tough. There's going to be turmoil. There's going to be persecution. In chapter 14 of the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks the following to his disciples. In verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. Edene I leave with you. That's not referring to absence of conflict, right? It's deeper than that. It's an inner peace, right? He, he is saying, I, I want your rest, the restoration of your inner self 
to be made complete. That's what I leave with you, okay? So in verse 27, again, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And here's where he clarifies that he's not referring to just absence of conflict. Because that's the way the world defines it. He says, continuing in verse 27, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now you see, it's not because of absence of conflict. In fact, though not in terms of war between nations, they will be experiencing conflict in the coming days. They will be persecuted for their faith, for their devotion to Jesus. And so Jesus is leaving to them this shalom, well, specifically in Greek, this eirene peace, which again is a, a, a deeper sense of the word peace that we're used to or that sometimes we do utilize that way, right? To mean something within, but specifically in the Jewish sense, to be made whole or complete. Now, Jesus is the fulfillment of this type of shalom that the Hebrews uh, have actually been waiting for, for quite some time. The ultimate shalom was promised in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, we hear in verse 6 that for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and there it is, Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom. So this is a promise. When we look at the theme of hope, or excuse me, of peace, excuse me, when we look at the theme of peace in the Advent context, this is what the Hebrews were looking towards. This is what they were expecting. This is what they wanted to finally see at an ultimate completion happen. And so Jesus is this coming shalom, this eirene in the Greek again. Now think about, the, just think about when Jesus is finally born. There's this scene in Luke chapter 2 where there are shepherds out in the field. They're keeping watch over their flock. It's late at night, and an angel of the Lord appears to them. And here's what the angel of the Lord says to them in Luke chapter 2. It says in verse 10, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, here it is, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So again, in Advent, we celebrate the arrival of peace. It's so weird to think about peace nowadays because, to be honest, right now, living in the United States of America, it doesn't seem like there's peace anywhere. Uh, Ricardo, I, I can't see where this shalom inner peace 
you're talking about, where we can place that hope in. Um, for one, there's a lot of anxiety surrounding COVID. There's a lot of anxiety surrounding political tensions. There's a lot of anxiety regarding racial tensions. There's, a, there's also, because of that, conflict. There is no absence of conflict. There's conflict with our fellow brothers and sisters. So, yeah, peace, it's easy to preach about it, but hard to live it out. At least today, it seems like that. Well, what we want to see today, what we want to focus our attention in as we dive into peace today, is that we should aspire with, Christ, with the power of Christ to three levels of peace. And in fact, one of, one of them is already done. <laughs> three levels of peace. The first one is peace with God. The second one is peace of God, and the third one is peace with others. Let me say that again. There are three types of peace. One is already done for those that uh, have devoted their lives to following Jesus. But the other two are things that we can aspire to. Again, we have peace with God. We have peace of God. That means we receive a shalom peace from God, and we have peace with one another. These are the three types of peace that we can have. And remember, just like Jesus preached in the Gospel of John, this is in the middle of turmoil, right? In the middle of all the craziness that's happening in the world, we can experience this deep within interior shalom, edenet, peace. Why do we have peace with God? That's the first one, peace with God. Well, plainly put, this is part of the gospel. Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, present tense, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that for a moment. It's not just that Jesus fixed a war that we had with God, though you can certainly put it in those terms. It's deeper than that, because think about what shalom is, to be made complete, to be made whole, to restore that which was incomplete, that which wasn't whole, namely your relationship with God. Sin destroys, fragments, incompletes our relationship with God. It takes the, the, the parts, the essential parts out of that essential relationship with God, sin becomes a disturbance of that without Christ. But in Christ, once we are justified by faith, that means I can stand justly before God, not on my behalf, not because of my works, but because of those of Jesus. You can rightly stand before God and you have peace with God. You have wholeness. Your relationship with God is made whole. It's made complete through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first type of peace, and it's done. You can't do anything about it other than receive it. How do you receive it? By devoting your life every waking second to following Jesus, to surrendering your life to him surrendering your wants, your desires to the one who can truly satisfy you. 
devoting your life to Jesus. That's all you can do. It's a complete surrender. It's totally the opposite of what can you do. It's just letting go and following him. Automatically, you have peace with God. Second type of peace that we should aspire to have because it's available there, and it's the peace that Jesus promised his disciples in John 14. It's peace of God. Because I have peace with God, I can experience now a peace of God within. That means that within, within my own inner world, I can restore, I can make complete, not by my power, but by God's transformation, my inner world, my feelings, my thoughts can be made restored. They, they can be restored to wholeness, to completion. Think about it. When do you feel lack of peace? Oh, everything at work is great, but my, my life is falling apart at home. Or maybe everything is great at home, but your bills are not being paid. Or maybe uh, my son has walked away from the Lord. My daughter no longer... Uh, wants to pray with us, whatever it is, it's because something falls out of, of line in your inner world and suddenly your inner world is no longer complete. There's a missing fragment for you to be happy. Well, we can experience shalom, this restoration completing our inner world. We can complete our inner world. We can make it whole through this supernatural peace that comes of God. Of God, because we have peace of God, or peace with God, we can have peace of God. Now, how does it happen? Well, in Philippians 4, chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, I'm going to read the whole thing. It's a, it's a classic in Christian circles. It's certainly one of my lifelong passages. Uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Do not be, in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, that's in everything, the big and the small, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the shalom, the eirene of God, that completion, that restoration of being made complete within, that, that being made whole, that peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It makes no sense to feel this way because my outer world is falling apart or my inner world is falling apart. The peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A lot of people stop that passage there. Can I get an amen? <laughs> A lot of people stop the peace component there. But Paul isn't done telling us how to get the peace of God. In verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. Wow, this is a long list. So pay attention. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worth of praise. Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. That's Paul. Practice these things and watch the flip. It doesn't say the peace of God. The God of peace will be with you. The God of restoration will be with you. The very presence is the essence of your shalom, your inner shalom. It's this very presence of God. It's not the peace of God only. That was in verses, uh, it, that was back in verse 6 and 7, the peace of, of God. Now it's the God of peace, his presence, which 
which covers you in shalom, in Aden, in peace. His presence, God will be with you manifestly. Woo! So what do I have to do? If we have to summarize everything we just read between verses 6 and 9, it would be that we can get the peace of God and his presence, the God of peace, through three things. Presence with God in prayer, right thinking, and right living. Presence with God in our prayer, right? Praying to God. Right thinking and right living. Now, the, the, the part of prayer, that's its own sermon. We can go into that all day. The part of presence, you know, we bring everything in prayer by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We let it be made known to God and, and the peace of God will guard your hearts from feeling wrongly and your minds from thinking wrongly. The, the peace of God, that restoration, that completion, that wholeness, it guards you. And so that comes through, again, be cultivating presence with God in prayer. But what about the other parts? Right thinking. Where do you saturate your mind in? Is it saturated in the things that are true or honorable or just? Or are we deceived by the lies of the devil? See, there's been studies about what most Americans worry about. Most of it, either they can't control or won't happen. There are other valid concerns, health concerns, right? I have friends whose family members are uh, experiencing COVID and they're in the hospital right now, intubated, and, and, and it's a life-threatening situation. That stuff you worry about, right? Although there is a, there's, a, there's a Christian way to worry about that as well. But most of the other things that we worry about, we can't control or won't ever come to happen, but the devil loves to plant those lies, right? And the world makes those lies accessible to us. Where do you saturate your mind? Have right thinking. Don't believe the lies. Believe, hear what it says. Think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, you think about these things. So right thinking and then right living. You have to put into practice what you profess to follow in Jesus. You're devoting your life to wanting to become like Jesus. When you surrender to Jesus, it's not just forgive me. It's make me like you. Make me holy like you. And so what you have learned, verse 9, and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So again, how do you experience the peace of God? Presence with God, right thinking, and right living. Presence with God, right thinking, and right living. The third type of peace is peace with others. This is, again, its own sermon. But I'm closing with this because at at least it needs to be mentioned. Peace with others is possible, again, because of the first type of peace that we mentioned. That's the peace with God. See, all people... Not just the people that were not Jewish, but all people, Jewish and non-Jewish alike, needed to experience a reconciliation. And in Ephesians 2, its own sermon, which I don't have time to get into right now, it says that 
He himself is our Edene. He himself is our peace, referring to Jesus, who made us both, that's Jews and non-Jews, one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He came and preached Edene in verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, the Jewish and the non-Jewish alike. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we are called to have peace with others no matter what they look like, no matter what they think like, no matter what. We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the church of God, the household of God. So remember, as we celebrate Advent, as we think about this week's theme of peace, the shalom, the eirene, remember that not only have you been made whole and complete with respect to God, yes, that's the first one, but because of that, your inner world can experience that restoration and your relationships should experience that restoration. Let's pray. Father, may we experience this Edene, shalom, peace within and outwardly to others. Father, remind us that to experience it within, we can cultivate that shalom, peace within three ways. By seeking your presence in prayer, presenting our worries to you in your presence, thanking you, but also by rightly thinking holding every thought captive to Christ, and by rightly living. May we cultivate those as, we, as our minds and hearts are guarded from excessive worrying. And may we meditate on the fact that we were separated from God. Jesus removed the separation, and now we are all united. There is no separation between any groups of people. So may we practice peace, which does not mean agreement on every topic. It means that we do life together. We love each other. We don't practice any form of discrimination, but on the contrary, we love sacrificially. May we live out this restoration. May our relationships with others be made whole. May they be made complete and May the church be a symbol to the world of what true shalom, Aden peace is. I pray also for the tithes and offerings for those people at home that are about to give online. May they do it as an exercise of worship, not religious duty. And may the tithes and offerings be multiplied so that they can be used to continue to expand your kingdom. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.